Welcome to The Rock Church and World Outreach Center. We pray that this message will strengthen and encourage you. Now, here's a message from Pastor Dan Roth. Well, let's get into the Word of God tonight. Turn with me to Matthew chapter number 1. Matthew chapter number 1. It is December, in case you haven't noticed, and uh, we're going to be getting into some Christmas messages. I believe that this is a time that we should set aside as holy. It's a time where we as the church ought to understand what the real meaning of Christmas is and why we celebrate, why it's so important. And uh, so throughout the month of December, you're going to hear different pastors and different messages all about Christmas. And so I'm going to lead that charge tonight. You know, this year has had some distinct phrases that are unique to the times that we're living in. Have you noticed that throughout the year? There's some new things that have come forth. You know, usually during a year, you might get one maybe two phrases at most, you know, something like that. I remember when, you know, my, my children started talking about that's lit, you know, and I was like, what on earth does that mean? You know, and I realized I was finally the old guy in the room, you know, because my parents used to do that to me. And now here I am going, how do you use that in a sentence? Could you, you know, I felt like a spelling bee all of a sudden, you know, could you use that in a complete sentence? And um, they couldn't, you know, and that sort of a thing. And even with texting and stuff like that, now they're not even coming out with new words. They're coming out with like new letter combinations, you know, that's like, uh, you know, the craziest thing. But who would have dreamed of things like social distancing being such a big thing, you know, social distancing? How about this mask shaming? That's pretty specific to this year, isn't it? Mask shaming, you know. Why would someone want to shame someone over a mask, you know? How about this one? Essential workers. These are all things that we really this year have defined and have come to know as terminology from this year. In fact, the words essential and non-essential have been hot topics this year, you know. There's been a lot of debate. There's been court cases over what's essential and what is non-essential. But as we launch into the last month of this year and look forward to celebrating the birth of our Lord, God would have each and every one of us to know that Christmas is essential. Can I get a big amen on that one? Can I get a hallelujah and a hand clap on that one? Come on. Christmas is essential. Like the song says, it's the most wonderful time of the year. Why? Because we set aside time to celebrate and to remember the birth of our Lord. Now, we understand and we know that Jesus most likely was not born on December 25th, right? Uh, the shepherds were keeping their watch by night. They usually did that in the spring or in the summer months when it was nice and warm out. Winter months got cold. You know, Israel is a desert. It's much like California. In fact, when I went there, I looked around and said, man, I recognize this place, right? It looks like home. And, and, and so, you know, for me, it was like I saw Mount Tabor, and I said, that could be in Temecula. You know, it was just like one of those things. But here they are, and they're keeping their watch by night. So it was most likely a time of year, maybe in the spring. Might have been that time that, uh, you know, the lambs were birthing, and so there comes the Lamb of God born into the earth. But regardless of that, we need to set aside some time because we don't know the exact day and we don't know the exact time that Jesus was born. Therefore, we need to find some time. And thank God there was a church that set aside some time to celebrate the birth of our Lord. Now, there might be people that say, well, wait a second. They put it on a pagan holiday where the Druids were going into the forest and they were worshiping trees and how dare you have trees in the sanctuary. Can I tell you something? I don't care if a Druid worshipped a tree centuries ago or not. My God made those trees and all those trees point up to him. The Bible says that all of creation speaks to the glory of God, that you can literally find the Godhead in what is created, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Therefore, when I see a tree with lights in it, I think about Jesus is the light of the world. 
And trees throughout the Bible represent peoples. So Jesus said, you are the light of the world. And so I have no problem having trees because God made those trees. They point to God, and the lights in the trees are lighting the way of salvation. They represent the light of the world, Jesus Christ on the inside of us. And so we're not here worshiping trees. We're not here trying to do some pagan holiday. We're not mixing culture with Christianity. No, we're just setting aside some time to focus on Jesus because His birth is essential and Christmas is essential. I had you turn to me to Matthew chapter number 1, verse number 18. Let's start out reading Matthew chapter number 1, starting in verse number 18. It says, now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. I love Matthew. He just gets right to the point. This is how it happened, y'all. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. That's pretty plain and clear terminology, isn't it? He says they didn't have marital relations yet, but she was having a baby. Verse number 19, then Joseph, her husband, being a just man. Everybody say a just man. I want you to mark that in your thinking. And not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. Now that put her away, they were betrothed. They weren't married yet. Okay, but in this time, that betrothal, that time of being fiancés, that time of being engaged was actually like a legal marriage, even though they had not yet consummated the marriage or come together yet uh, in, in, in their home or bringing everything together, having the celebrations and the ceremonies. But it was like a legal marriage. It was like going to the courthouse, if you will. It was legal. It was binding. And so not wanting to make a public spectacle of her, not wanting to shame her or embarrass her, you know, he had the full rights and privileges of a husband that he could have dragged her out as an adulteress and he could have had her stoned to death. But because he was a just man, he was just going to quietly, secretly, just kind of cut it off. He's going to put her away. And that would have been like a divorce. It goes on in the next verse and says this in verse number 20, but while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid. Everybody say, do not be afraid. Again, note that in your thinking. To take to you, Mary, your wife. For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Jesus means Jehovah is salvation. So he's saying God is salvation. Therefore, Jesus, you're going to call on that because he's going to save his people from their sins. Verse 22, so all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophets, saying, behold, the virgin shall, con- shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. God was coming in the form of his son. God was coming in the form of a baby. Verse 24, then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. Everybody say, did as he commanded. Now, in case the online viewers have not been saying that with us, you guys need to participate, all right? Don't think that just because you're at home, you're out of this. Did as the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife and did not know her. Now, that know her is kind of like Adam knew his wife and they conceived and had a son, all right? He did not know her. They did not have marital relations till she had brought forth her firstborn son and he called his name Jesus. I love the story of Christmas. I love the story of how Jesus was born. And in this story, I see that there was a man that God chose to use to be the earthly father of his son. This man's name was Joseph. Joseph is described as a just man. He's described as a man that was upright. He's described as a man who has integrity. And we'll see this as we go throughout the Scriptures because I believe that it's absolutely essential for our salvation that God would come and save us from our sins. Without it, we could not be saved because no sinful man can save us, nor can we save ourselves. No one can qualify to be the perfect, spotless, sinless Lamb of God. 
That's why God had to come in the form of His Son and live that life in front of all of us to show that He is perfect and to die an innocent victim, therefore qualifying to take the punishment of our sin upon Him. And so here it is. It had to be God reaching down to lift us out of the grave that we were dead in. See, the Bible tells us we were dead in sin. We were buried in the grave already spiritually. We couldn't save ourselves. You know dead people can't crawl out of the grave, right? I don't care what scary movie you were watching this past October. That is not true, all right? We cannot, as we're dead, dead people do not climb out of graves. Only the living can move and breathe and act and do. And therefore, we could not save ourselves because we were dead in sin. Therefore, God had to reach down. He had to condescend to the level of a man. Jesus had to come in the form of a baby. And he had to come and save us from our sins. So this Christmas, do we just sit by and do nothing? Well, absolutely not, right? Do we just remember and be grateful? Well, yeah, those are good things to do, but not just that. So what do we do? See, I believe that Joseph, being surrounded by this Christmas story that God was authoring, God was writing, God was making right in front of his eyes. I believe that Joseph shows us some essential Christmas activities that we can incorporate in our lives this season and also throughout the year. How many of you know Christmas isn't just for December? Oh, come on. Christmas is not just for December. That's the birth of our Lord that we're talking about. That's all year long. It should be that we always are coming and letting us adore him, Christ the Lord. Maybe we could even coin some new phrases for this essential part of our lives coming up in the year ahead. So today I want to talk about how Joseph shows us Christmas is essential. A couple of things tonight. We're going to go through a few things that how Joseph shows us that Christmas is essential. First thing is this, is that we see Joseph was just. Joseph was just. You might be saying, just what, Pastor? No, but not talking about just in that sense. It's talking about that Joseph was just, meaning that he was like the word justice, right? He was upright. He had the right heart. He had the right intent. He had the right activities. In our present day terms, we would say that he was kind, that he was upstanding, or that he was honorable. You you heard the one about the kid that went to see Santa, right? No? Someone said, here we go. Yeah. (laughs) Buckle up. It's going to be a bumpy ride, all right? Parents took the kid to go see Santa. Sits in Santa's lap. Santa says, well, hello. What would you like for Christmas? Kid looks up at him. He says, I'd like some roller skates. I want a Nintendo Switch. I want a new bed. And on the new bed, I want new bedding. I want Star Wars bedding. I want all the Star Wars characters to be lying in the top of the bed. I want a new binder, a new notebook. I want a new backpack for school. Uh, I want, and Santa stops and says, whoa, 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 slow down, slow down. That's really a lot of stuff. Have you been a good boy? And the kid says, no, 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 hold on. I'll just take the skates. (laughs) See, Joseph was upstanding. He was upright. He was just. He was honorable. That's why when he found out his fiancée, and remember this is the fiancée whom they had not yet come together and consummated the marriage, that fiancée, right? When he found out she was pregnant, he decided not to be harsh or to cause her embarrassment. He wasn't going to take his rights and drag her out into the street in front of everybody and shame her and stone her to death. No, Joseph was just and minded to put her away quietly. But what Joseph didn't realize yet was that it was God fulfilling prophecy. Wow. It was essential that Jesus be born of a virgin. Do you know that part of our faith, the tenets of our faith, there are things that are black and white, things that are absolutely essential to your salvation. 
And then there are other gray areas that are not absolutely essential that, you know, maybe we believe that you should walk in, things that you should do, things that you should be a part of. But if you, if you don't agree or if you don't walk in those things, hey, you're still saved, you're still going to go to heaven. One of the things that is black and white and that is absolutely essential to our salvation is the virgin birth of our Lord Jesus Christ. If anybody comes to you and says, hey, no, Joseph and Mary, they got together and they had Jesus, then our faith is futile. It has to be that she was born of a virgin. It's absolutely essential with the virgin birth. So here, Joseph, here's the word of God, right? God says, she's going to be born of a virgin. And he quotes a scripture from the book of Isaiah. Behold, the virgin shall be with child. Wow. And you will call his name Emmanuel, meaning God with us. See, it's imperative. It's so important. Why? Because there were prophetic utterances throughout the Bible that talked about the virgin birth. Let me show you another one in Genesis chapter 3, right at the onset, right? Right at the beginning in the book of Genesis chapter number 3. Man has just fallen. God shows up and starts asking questions. God starts pronouncing judgments, okay? And look at what he says to the serpent, okay? He's talking to Satan. God is speaking to him. He's pronouncing judgments. Genesis chapter 3, verse number 15. This is the first messianic prophecy that we see in the entire Bible. And that first messianic prophecy is one that points to a virgin birth. Look at it in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. And I will put enmity or war between you, serpent, and the woman, and between your seed and her seed. Everybody say her seed. Did you get it online? Hopefully you guys are tracking. Her seed. Notice the capital S, all right? Her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. In other words, in some other translations say he will crush your head, right? That Jesus is going to come and destroy the head. The headship meant the authority, right? So the devil had just usurped authority. He came in through the side door and he said, hey, you know, Eve, if you eat, that's, that's not a bad thing. You'll be wise. You'll be able to determine good and evil. You'll be like God, right? Eve saw on her own that the fruit was good to make one wise and good for food. And so she took, she ate, she gave to her husband. Her husband willingly rebelled and they entered into sin. And in doing so, Adam, who had the title deed, handed that over to the devil, spiritually speaking. So now the devil has authority. That's why he's called the God of this world, lowercase g. He's not like God. He's not equal to God in any way. He is a created being. He has limitations. God is boundless, right? And therefore, he's the lowercase g, meaning that he has authority for a period of time. He's got a lease on the earth because Adam signed it over to him, but his lease is up in Christ Jesus because Jesus came and he crushed his head. He took out that authority, and he took back the keys of the kingdom when he defeated him on the cross. And therefore, Jesus now has that authority, and he's given it to the church. But it also says that you shall bruise his heel, right? Meaning that Christ will go through sufferings. As he's crushing that head, it's going to harm the Christ. Jesus had to suffer. You say, Pastor, well, wait a second. I didn't see the virgin birth in there. Ah, let's go back real quick. Between your seed and her seed. Between your seed... And her seed. Okay? Let me break this down for a second. The seed of the serpent, right, is anything that produces forth from him. The seed of the woman, this is the one to come. This is the Messiah. How do I know that? Here's the reason why. Because in anatomy class, you probably learned, and maybe biology, right, life sciences, that sort of a thing, you learned about human reproduction, 
Okay, I'm not going to go there because I know there's little ears, so parents, if you want to just go ahead and cover the ears. I don't know why the past two messages we've been doing this so much so lately. Get a clue. The children's ministry is open. Let's get the kids over there, and that way you can come and not have to be putting hands over ears, all right? Praise the Lord for that. So here's the deal, is that in human reproduction, the male carries the seed. So the seed of the woman doesn't make sense, does it? Because the woman doesn't have the seed. The man has the seed. Okay? Basic science, guys. All right? You guys learned about this in, in class. Everybody's like, don't make a move. Don't laugh right now. Don't, don't, don't snicker. Don't do anything. Just sit there. Eyes ahead. My goodness, is he really talking about this? Yes, I am. Because it's so important to understand that right from the onset, if there was a seed of the woman, that meant that there had to be something supernaturally produced in a woman's body. Behold, the virgin shall be with child. How can that happen unless God gets involved and does a miracle and does something supernatural? See, our Messiah did not come through the bloodline of man because man was flawed. And I've talked to phlebotomists and doctors about this. The bloodline, the DNA comes through the man. Therefore, if it was a physical thing, it would have been passed through the father to the sons, right? But it's not a physical thing. It's a spiritual thing. But even the physical speaks of the spiritual. Therefore, God said, I don't want the man's lineage to determine this because man rebelled. It would have to come through the seed of the woman. Therefore, it would be pure spiritually speaking because the picture of the natural is what God is speaking in the spiritual. Did I lose you? You guys got this? See, that's why it's so important that we understand the virgin birth is essential to our salvation. Okay, now let's bring it back to Joseph being a just man, okay? Because if the essential of our faith is a virgin birth, when Joseph heard the word of God through the angel and he believed and he took Mary and his wife, guess what he was saying? He's saying, I'm coming in agreement with what God is doing on the earth. And he also didn't do anything to get in the way of the prophecy, okay? He shows us his integrity in verse number 25. Let's take a look at it. Matthew chapter 1, once again, verse number 25. Take a look at it with me. It says this. It says that he did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son. What is Joseph saying? He's saying with his life, I value the prophecy I value the Son of God. I value the virgin birth. I value this essential that I will not even come near my wife, even though every man knows that when you're betrothed to your wife, you want to get near her, right? There's that desire. There's that passion, that burning in the flesh that happens. And yet here Joseph is so honorable, so integrous that he did not know, like Adam and Eve knew one another, and then all of a sudden a baby came up. He did not know his wife until she had brought forth her firstborn son. Wow, what integrity and what honor for God. Joseph was a just man. And in our lives, we need to value and honor God so much that we are just in all of our ways. What does that look like? That means that we're not going to get in the way of what God is doing. That means that when we hear the Word of God, that we give it the reverence in the proper place that it needs. That means that when it comes time for Christmas, when it comes time for church, when it comes time for Easter, when it comes time for the holy things of God, that we are setting those things aside in our heart, and we're not going to do anything to get in the way of what God is doing, that we're going to be upright in all of our dealings and in all of our ways with God and with man. Is anybody listening today? Second thing is this, second thing is this, is that Joseph wasn't afraid. I love this. In fact, you can read about Joseph leading his family. 
Joseph, heeding the voice of God, heeding the voice of angels that God was speaking to through, through those angelic voices. Notice the very fact that the angel told Joseph not to be afraid. And then in verse 25, Joseph takes Mary to be his wife, shows that he wasn't afraid. You say, well, of course not, right? He, he was told it was okay. But Joseph could have been afraid of what others would say about him. Think about this. This man was an upright and just man, and he had a reputation with others. And to take a woman as his wife who was already pregnant before they had had the marriage ceremony, people were going to notice. People were going to talk. People were going to see. People were going to whisper. They'd be talking about him, talking about his wife. Eventually, they'd be talking about his child. And you can see that in the Word of God. We were not born of fornication, they shouted at Jesus. That thing followed them all their lives. And yet Joseph wasn't afraid of what other people would say about him. He could have been afraid to jump into fatherhood. Wait a second, I'm going to be raising God? I'm going to be stewarding the Messiah? I mean, my goodness, when I had my baby girl, I remember the first time I held her in my hands. I remember just staring at her and going, oh my God. My life has just changed. Changed for the better, but there was a fear on me like, am I ready for this, God? Do I got this? And yet God is so good, isn't he? God allows us his grace and allows us to do wonderful things like steward a child, steward a life. But here Joseph is, he could have been afraid of fatherhood, could have been afraid of the financial implications of having an instant family, right? Wait a second, we're getting married, and first comes love, then comes then comes the baby in the baby carriage. God, don't you know the song, right? Here we go. And yet Joseph is jumping in with both feet. He could have been afraid. How am I going to provide? You know, I've got this, this carpentry business. It's, you know, it's tough times. But instead, he believed the word of God that he received through the angel. Notice what it says in Romans chapter number one. I'm going to read this to you in the King James Version, the, the, the OG KJV, all right? The, the King James Version. Romans chapter 1, verse number 17, For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live, how? By faith, right? Notice it says the just, those that are honorable and integrous and upright in their dealings, the just shall live, how? By faith. See, here Joseph is, he's not afraid. What does that mean? You know, fear will stop you. Fear, fear will hinder you. Fear will even do you harm. Because with fear comes worry and anxiety and stress, and it can actually physically harm you. People have died from stress-related things in their physical bodies. It's not good for you. But when you are just, when you are upright in your dealings, when you are honorable and integrous, when you value the word, when you give it place in your life, the just shall live by faith. That means that when God says, don't be afraid, you're not afraid. That means that when God says, hey, take this virgin as your wife, you take her as your wife. When God says, call his name Jesus, you call his name Jesus. Why? Because you are living by faith. You hear the word of God. Remember, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Therefore, if you're going to combat fear in your life, and don't we have fear on all sides around us every day? It seems like there's a new wave of it coming. Every month comes a new wave. Last month it was Thanksgiving. Oh, don't gather together for Thanksgiving. There's going to be a surge. Now they're saying, oh, it's going to take two to three weeks. There's going to be a surge of COVID cases. There, there might be new stay-at-home orders. There might be hospitals overwhelmed, all that kind of stuff. And when the fear can grip us. What are we going to do? 
Wait, they're taking all of the counties in the purple tier and they're putting them on lockdown. We're in the purple tier. What are we going to do? You know what we're going to do? We're going to do the same thing we did in March. We're going to do the same thing we did in April. Same thing we did in May. Same thing we did in June. Same thing we did in July. Same thing we did. Listen, what did we do? We just simply believed God. We listened for his voice and we followed him. The just shall live by faith. There's no other way to live except by faith. Because if you live in fear, you're going to find yourself in a cold, dark room, insulated and isolated from everything in the world. And it's in that isolation that the devil distracts, he gets you off, and then he tries to take you out. You know, isolation brings on those fears. What if people don't like me? What what if I don't have any friends? What if I don't have any family? Why hasn't anybody reached out? All those things just rack your mind. And it's in those isolated times that the devil starts whispering lies. You're worthless. You might as well kill yourself. Come on, can we talk? People are hurting themselves by living in fear. I just read a report that said there are more suicide deaths in Japan presently than there are COVID-19 deaths. Guys, if we allow fear to lead us, it will lead us straight to a bad place, straight to death, and for some, straight to hell. For us, as the people of God, as just individuals, justified by God, upright in heart, upright in spirit, upright in our dealings, integrous before God, placing the value on the things of God, when we hear the Word of God, we listen, and it causes faith to arise on the inside of us. Why? The just shall live by faith. Amen. We don't live by our thoughts. We don't live by our fears. We don't even live by our rationale or our clever calculation. We simply hear the Word of God and are not afraid of whatever else we're hearing all around us. Last one is this. Joseph was obedient. I love this. Joseph was obedient. As we already stated, he took to himself Mary, his wife. As we already stated, you remember in verse 21, the angel says, and you shall call his name Jesus. What happens in verse 25? And he called his name Jesus. Joseph was careful. He was careful to follow the angel's instruction, and he did everything as he was instructed. If you read on throughout the Gospels, you'll find Joseph hearing other messages, take your family to Egypt, flee because there's going to be a slaughter. He goes down there, then he hears, go back, it's time to return, and he comes back, but then he goes to Nazareth, he protects his family. He's very careful, very careful. You'll find Joseph and Mary on the eighth day, taking Jesus like a good Jewish boy should be to be circumcised on the eighth day, right? They had to take him before the temple, they had an offering that they would bring. And it was in those places that God showed up and did amazing things. You even find Joseph taking his family when Jesus was 12 years old, like a good Jewish person should, to the temple and to Jerusalem to celebrate the feasts. My goodness, Joseph followed. Joseph was obedient to the word that he had. See, it's often simple obedience that we miss. Maybe you don't, but I know I often do. It's the simple obedience. It's just getting God's direction for life and doing it the way God says to do it. He does this for our good. God's not trying to harm you. He's not trying to take your fun away. I know there's this thought that we have about God being this white-bearded old man up in the heavenly skies just waiting with a two-by-four to whack us whenever we get out of line. We think of the Word, the Scriptures, as a bunch of do's and don'ts. It's just a bunch of rules. It's the rule book, right? No, this is the manual. You ever read a manual and it says, don't put this type of gasoline in the car because if you do, it'll hurt the engine, Right? And we go, oh, okay, I'll do that, right? I'll make sure to put the right gasoline in it. 
You know, you don't put diesel in a gasoline car. You don't put gasoline in a diesel car. That could harm the engine, right? We know that. And yet when God says, hey, you don't put the things of this world in your life. Put the things of God in. We go, well, but I want to put it in there, God. And you end up harming the engine. And God says, simple obedience. If you, if you just do it like I tell you to do it, you'll be running just fine. You'll have a great life. If, if indicator lights start coming on, right, the oil light comes on. You need to add oil or something like that. We say, I don't want to add oil. I don't like oil, right? And we end up burning up the engine. It seizes on us after we stress out for a long time. And God is saying, would you just simply listen? Would you fill up on the Holy Spirit? Would you allow that oil to keep the engine running smooth? Would you just do what I ask you to do? Any married people in the place tonight? All right, I see you guys. All right. So husbands, did you dress yourself or did your wife dress you tonight? I was wearing dark green pants earlier today. You will notice my pants are no longer dark green. And the reason why is because when I got home tonight and I sat down at the dinner table and was eating dinner, my wife came in and looked me up and down and said, you're not wearing that. And I said, woman, yes, I am. And she said, oh, no, you're not. You're either going to change the shirt and the shoes or you're going to change the pants. One or the other. Because that don't look good. And I said, honey, I am a man. I'm not doing all that. This is fine. The people will love it. She says, no, they won't. And I looked at my 15-year-old daughter over my shoulder, and she's just over there shaking her head. And I'm like, what? And she says, dad, it doesn't look good. And I said, and I kept eating my dinner. But if you notice, (laughs) thank you, pastor. I'm not wearing green pants. And the reason is, because as much as I'm a man, and as much as I can dress myself, and I don't need no woman telling me what to wear, and as comfortable as those green pants are, I know that the woman knows something about fashion. And I didn't want you distracted, especially those of you of the feminine kind in the room, the lady folk. I did not want you all staring at my green pants rather than listening to the Word of God. And so I went upstairs, and I changed. Pastor, what on earth are we doing here? It was simple obedience that allowed God to give the care of His Son. The most precious asset ever. The darling of heaven broken from the Father's side, who did not consider robbery to be equal with God, but emptied himself of his glory and took on the form of a servant and came in the likeness of sinful flesh. Jesus, born as a baby in a manger, that God said, I'm looking for someone who's just, someone who's upright, someone who will live by faith, And when they hear my word, we'll heed it and we'll simply obey. It was that heart that God said, I can trust him with my bone of my bone, flesh of my flesh, my very life 
my son, my beloved son, whom I love, in whom I'm well pleased. See, in the same way, it's through our obedience that God gives us everything that we steward in lives. 1 Corinthians 4, 2 in the New International Version says, now it's required that those who have been given a trust must prove faithful. Sometimes we wonder why God hasn't given us more. God, I want more. I want more responsibility. I want more people to get saved. God, I want a, you know, bigger business. God, I want a family. I want to do this. I want to do that. I want all these things, right? And yet, if we're not walking in simple faith and obedience from a just heart, God is saying, I can't give you more until you show yourself faithful. It's, it's been seen that in stewards, one must prove to be faithful if you want more, which I believe we all do, I think we're built for that. I think we're built for the greatness of God. God wants to do things that will startle you. He wants to do things that will astonish you. God wants to blow you away. God wants you to look back on your life when all is said and done and say, wow, God, that's what we did? Man. Thank you for listening to the Rock Church and World Outreach Center. If this message spoke to you, please share it with us. We'd love to hear from you. You can find more information at www.rockchurch.com.